What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Bonjourno. Bonjourno to you as well. How are you this fine day? I'm doing okay, and I say only okay because I realized too late that I remembered to take off all of my nail polish except for one thumbnail that I oh, missed, no. and now it's all like patchy and awkward. So, but, you know, or or conversely. A new fashion trend just that you've just launched. It doesn't know. <laughs> you don't know. People can, no, people can I, take, this I could take off. I do know. It's not gonna. It looks bad. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the enthusiasm, but... <laughs> but just not gonna happen. I so guess. please put your condolences in the comments for my tragic um, death of fashionness. Fashion faux pas? Sure. Nail faux pas? Yeah. A go. nail paw. A nail paw. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Team Chat Podcast, a video game show where we talk about the games we love, the games we hate, and everything in between. New episodes come out Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Central Time, and you can listen to those on podcast services around the World Wide Web, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. Uh, the show is also available in video format on YouTube, so head over to youtube.com slash teamchatpodcast where you can watch all those episodes. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also have a Discord server for you to join. Links for all that are in the description below. And finally, you can head over to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast if you're really loving what we're doing and creating for you each and every week, and you can support the show. Monetarily speaking. And in return, we will give you perks like getting the episodes early before their general Tuesday release, access to a private channel on our Discord server, and a new show that we're still promoting and putting out there. Episode 2 actually came out today on the day of this recording for our patrons of Team Chit Chat, where we talk about things outside we should have named games. it like for this particular one we should have named it like team spill the tea chat mm, podcast yep. because your particular it was fiery it was fiery it was fiery star wars opinions that's true who doesn't want to hear those and you gotta check those out team chit chat coming soon uh, out now for patrons coming soon for the general public i mean you weeks. can't you can't argue back if if you don't listen so that's true yeah that's true you're gonna be constantly wondering what I was talking about. But if you can't do that, that's no big deal. We totally understand. We're just glad that you are here listening to the show, but we would really love it also if you could give us a review, a rating, uh, tell all your friends, share us on social media. That would be incredibly helpful and huge to us, and we, would, and we thank you all for listening and enjoying the show. Before we move into our normal things, we have a, another thing I'm trying to be better about doing is asking everyone for questions. If people have, oh, you know, if right. our listeners for questions that they want us to, to answer on the show and everything. And so we have, I did such a thing before we recorded today and my beautiful bride, Samantha, wrote in a question for us. Basically, and she was asking, who would win in a fight? Donkey Kong versus Mario. <gasps> and then conversely, Luigi versus Diddy. Kong. Okay, so... The second one, at least I feel in my heart, is much easier. Luigi versus Diddy Kong. It's Luigi, obviously. Really? Yeah, really. Oh, I thought you were going to go Diddy Kong. I mean, like, if you're talking about Smash rules, sure, Diddy Kong probably wins. He was top tier for a long, 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 long time. But if you've ever looked into Luigi's eyes and, like, into his soul... You see the demon that sleeps within. He's seen all those ghosts. He's seen all those ghosts. Who's to say he hasn't been absorbing them into himself this whole time? And granted, while he does have his own game series with Luigi's Haunted Mansion, he's always still like the very much sidekick. Diddy Kong, on the other hand, has had Diddy Kong Racing, a, a wonderful racing game. He's also been you know featured in all the Donkey Kong games and everything. But how does he, that help him win in a fight? He's got that uh, peanut gun bazooka thing that he shoots like donkey kong 64 i loved his like dual barrel like uh peanut 
Yeah, and Luigi's got the vacuum that's cleaner to just instantly suck those up before they can even they get shoot too to fast. him. The velocity's they too d- high. That's physics. fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Luigi. He would I, definitely see, win I gotta the go fight. See, I gotta go with Diddy Kong mm, on that one. Mm, that's just me. Well, I mean, but we know where this is going to stand because now we're moving on to Mario and Donkey Kong. Who wins there? Mario's got fireballs. He does Maybe have that. fireballs in certain In certain situations. He can also have a full plate suit of armor. In certain situations, Metal Mario. He can also be oh, Tanuki. Yeah. He's got a pretty wide move set. Yeah, I would probably say Mario. I would too. Donkey Kong's massive and powerful and a beast of a creature. But he's also like nice exactly. and kind of goofy. Well, Mario's nice and goofy too. But yeah, he's a plumber for God's sake. Yeah. Well, anyways, I, I still think Mario would win. So Mario, and then we're we're split. Mario would win versus Donkey Kong. We're split on a uh, Luigi versus. I think Diddy. Luigi could beat all of them like at the same time. Just unleash that anger that yeah, he feels from Luigi being constantly pushed really, to the side. Release the beast! <laughs> I think that if he like really accessed his inner rage, that he would be unstoppable. I'm. You know what? I, I don't know if I can necessarily argue with that. Yeah, it's, you can't because Luigi will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it Do just you, adds more rage. Yeah. If you're like, no, your rage isn't even enough to Is win that in a fight. Really, how you want to die? Killed by Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> but we should, though, to get in a, a uh, scientific answer for this question, we should have like a Smash tourney at some point where we like play just between those characters against those characters well, to see who would win. I guess we the, even can we even computer like AI it? Yeah, so I was yeah, going to say, I think go. the most equitable way to test that would be to just make all of them like max level amiibos mm-hmm. and then make the amiibo fight each other in a CPU tournament. Uh, actually, and then I'll... we just, and then we uh, we cast the fight as if it was, you know. Exactly. I think we should do that. I will say that noted YouTuber Alpharad has built his entire platform on that. Well, that's fine for so, Alpharad to do. We can do it as a it's once. very funny. As a, oh, as, I'm, I'm not trying to step on his toes. I'm just saying we can, we can try it for this one little thing. Okay. <laughs> Before we jump into the main topic of the day, or the main two topics of the day, we got a double one for you. We actually have quite a bit of news uh, coming out So um, in our moment with Mogan. So let's jump into that section. Find out what's coming out soon. Yeah. And these other news stories. So end of January is much more stacked than the beginning of mi- and middle of January. So Moons of Madness comes out for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on January 21. All on January 23, we have Kingdom Hearts 3 Re colon Mind. Uh, that's exclusively for PlayStation 4. That is a formal expansion uh, slash DLC, whatever you want to call it, for Kingdom Hearts 3. Mm-hmm. Mosaic for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch is also coming out on the 23rd. Oddworld Stranger's Wrath HD comes out for Switch. Rugby 20 for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners for PC only. Uh, All of those come out on January 23rd. Journey to the Savage Planet for Xbox One and PC comes out January 28th. Kentucky Route Zero, colon TV edition. I don't know what that is, but hopefully it's about the... Kentucky Route Zero TV edition. I... That's a lot of confusing words altogether. That's for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch on January 28th as well. I assume it's got to be a racing game, right? What? What is it? One more time. Kentucky? Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition. Zero. Is it like a game show? Anyways, you look that up. Uh, and then closing out the month is Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One January 28th. Warcraft 3 Reforged comes out for PC January 28th as well. And finally, Through the Darkest of Times for PC on January 30th. Lots coming out there at the end of the month. Very nice. All right, so I'm trying to... TV edition. Arrow the K. Here we go. Uh, so Kentucky Route Zero... Is a this is from its Wikipedia? 
article is a magical realist episodic point-and-click adventure game created and published by indie developers Jake Elliott, Tomas Kamensky, and Ben Babbitt under the name Cardboard Computer. It was actually released in 2013, so this must be like a, re, a re-release. Oh, okay. I guess. What um, I heard but is it the looks word like... episodic, and I'm about to have a seizure. <laughs> and so. you're out. Okay. Uh, but it says, so the game is separated into five acts following the narrative of a truck driver. So we're close. Like a truck. Uh, It'll be just like named- Dream Daddy. Ice Road Paranormal <laughs> Investigator Truckers. That's right. Uh, named Conway. And the mysterious people he meets as he tries to cross the fictional Route Zero to make a final delivery for the antique company for which he works. Huh. Interesting. All right. Sure. First act was released in 2013, so it's actually a few years old at this point. But So yeah, it must be uh, like a remastering re- yeah. release of that. Well, uh, you don't get many games about Kentucky, so... Take them when you get them. Huzzah, <laughs> I guess. So we, uh, one of the first stories that we want to talk about, this one uh, broke today from a Kotaku article, uh, that Horizon Zero Dawn is reportedly going to be brought to PC, which is really cool. So I will go on ahead and say I didn't know it already wasn't for PC. I kind of assumed that it was. Well, because <laughs> Sony's exclusives usually stay Sony exclusives. Like, they don't move to any other things. And that's what kind of makes this yeah. a, a fairly landmark thing. Um, but also, in, so in this article, it does talk about more more in the original Kotaku report uh, by Jason Schreier. It talks about how this is a big step because, uh, they norm- like I said, they normally don't do this. Uh, Death Stranding is also going to be coming to PC at a later date, but it's kind of but this one for a exclusive that's been out for a few years already came out in 2017, but we're looking at it in, in just being like, could this finally be another step in the direction of moving away from total like console exclusivity? You know, at the very end of this article, uh, Jason Schreier talks about how uh, he says, so quote, this will be the first big exclusive game from a Sony owned developer to come to PC death stranding, which launched for PS4 last November and will also arrive on PS on PC later this year was funded and published by Sony, but developed by an independent studio. Kojima Productions. In fact, the PC version of Death Stranding is published by a different company, 505 Games. The French studio Quantic Dream is also independent, had a similar arrangement last year, self-publishing its games Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and Detroit Become Human on PC without Sony's involvement. Uh, And so they share... But so what this does is, okay, so here's the part. That part was a little background that I had already read. But so for most most publishers, the releases of a game on PC would be no big deal. Most video game companies try to put their software on as many platforms as possible. But for Sony, this is a remarkable move. Since the launch of the PlayStation 1 in 1994, just about every game funded and developed by Sony has been exclusive to a PlayStation platform. Sony's PC-focused, massively multiplayer online games, including EverQuest, are the main exception. Oh my god, EverQuest. So, that's a franchise that you do not yeah, hear about not anymore. Around, really. <laughs> Sony's strategy has always been to drive hardware sales with software and vice versa. One would expect them to make the same approach with future games on the PS on the PS5, which will launch this fall. Um, but so it's just it seems to be a shift getting away from necessarily that mindset of using Cons hardware to sell games. It's going to be more getting using the games, I guess, to be just driving them there and their sales based more on where you can play them and their availability, which is a different step for Sony. I th- I think it is a test because let it has been two years. It's been yeah. about two to three years Almost since three, Horizon Zero Dawn came, came out. So I wouldn't necessarily say that I think this is the thing and we're rapidly going to move away from consoles and exclusivity. I don't think that that's going to happen yeah. like immediately no. or anytime soon. But I mean, I guess it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. It's. I mean, I, I, that's a, uh, one of our... Uh, Members on our Discord, Fuchsia, she actually said she's the one who posted the, the article, and I didn't see it. And I was like, oh, I will 
definitely buy this because for one, I only have this. I only have the base PS4. They, you know, the PS4 Pro had like upgraded graphics for Horizon Zero Dawn and everything like that, but I haven't seen it. So now getting it on PC where I can really crank up those graphics, get that better frame rate, man. I'm just like, yeah, I'll do. I'll do this again. I love the game. It's do my number two game of all time. You know how you could instantly tank those beautiful frame rates and how smooth it would run. By playing it on Google Stadia, <laughs> I just really wanted to get like one burn on Another Google Stadia, J- just one more dig in there. Oh, anyway, man. so that is exciting for yeah, PC. Users. It's pretty cool. Uh, will it be available for Mac? Is the I question. mean, no, it's going to be PC. See more, more hate for the poor Mac users. We can't help it. We got tricked by Apple into buying them, and now we're stuck with them because they're so expensive. Yeah, you're just not supposed to be. <laughs> we're you're, trapped. Not gaming, <laughs> gaming machines in any in any way. Gaming so, machines, not really. Poor Little they're built Mac for. laptops, Mac tops, if you will. <laughs> but you had a couple of other stories too that you wanted that broke recently. Yeah, so just very recently, um, I or not very recently, but uh, Monster Hunter World Iceborne has consistently been selling incredibly well. And I was just reading an article kind of recently about how Monster Hunter World is Capcom's best selling IP, period. Mm-hmm. And now, thanks to Iceborne being released uh, summer of last year, I think it ticked up total sales of Monster Hunter World from around like the 7 million marker thereabouts to more like 13 million. Oh, wow. So, in terms of worldwide sales, that's amazing. And it's a really good indicator for Monster Hunter continuing to be a presence in the West, Mm -hmm. which historically it really has been kind of a niche thing. It's really much more for the Eastern audiences. It's very popular in in Japan, but really it's just Monster Hunter World that has managed to get a solid footing in North America, in Europe, those kinds of markets. So this is just really encouraging news to hear that not only was Monster Hunter World already successful at its initial launch, but that Iceborne being so well-received by both fans and by critics alike clearly made a huge impact in its own right by gaining tons of additional sales keeping monster hunter world world relevant and considering that it's an almost entirely online game for the most part you can of course play it single player but it's more fun with friends uh that's just all really good news and i hope that this means that sometime in the future i'm not clamoring for a new one right away right away but that whatever next monster hunter comes out that it will hopefully be just as successful in our region right right Right, and that you know, it is proof that there is a market for it in the U.S. Oh, and yeah. in, other, in other places outside of Japan, and so like that is a, a great uh, indicator that yeah, the next games and the next series will be more available, and they'll continue to push out its presence and make its market here grow, which is really exciting. It is exciting. And then we also had a little bit of news from the uh, Nintendo held a direct earlier last week uh, on Pokemon Sword and Shield with some different updates coming out. Oh, it was just Pokemon in general, really. Uh, but there are some bigger updates about Pokemon Sword and Shield that we want yeah, to share. Yeah, so this is kind of a new move for, I don't necessarily want to say Nintendo exactly, because Pokemon, the games, are made by Game Freak. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know immediately whether or not this is a decision more by Pokemon or more by Game Freak. But Pokemon Sword and Shield are the first Pokemon games that are actually going to get DLC, formal DLC. So you may remember in, so let's see here. Oh, it is Game Freak. Never mind. All right, so this comes from an article from The Verge. So it says, Game Freak announced expansion packs for Pokemon Sword and Shield. The first of these expansion packs, called Isle of Armor, is set to launch this June, so summer of this year. The Crown Tundra will follow in the fall. So we're actually going to get two DLC packs pretty shortly, one after the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, In addition to new rivals, clothing, and areas, the expansion pack will also introduce a new co-op, legendaries, 
and a wider Pokedex. So, you know, there nice. was a big brouhaha when Pokemon Sword and Shield were in development and, of course, upon release as well, that the Pokedex was radically cut down for Pokemon Sword and Shield, which mm. many fans were understandably very upset about. Because so expansion- it removed a lot of like favorites, right? It removed a lot of favorites, uh, which really is, I think, pretty unacceptable. So the fact that they are expanding the Pokedex again uh, is really good news. I think it is still kind of BS that we're having to pay for it in the form of DLC. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's better than nothing, question mark. Uh, Anyways, for most games, this would be standard news. But for Pokemon, it's nearly revolutionary. So it does go on to say, you know, Pokemon moves at a glacial pace when it comes to major changes. Taking roughly two decades for a traditional RPG experience to land on a console, the Nintendo Switch. Mm -hmm. uh, And blah, 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 blah. So the point is, Pokemon being brought into the modern age in such a big way in the form of having uh, actual paid DLC. Because I think it's going to be... Thirty dollars. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that. so $30 for these big expansion packs. I'm not clear on whether or not that will be for both of them or for one at a time. I hope it's for both. I hope it's for both the one that come in June and in fall. Uh, the article may have... Like a season pass kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, actually, they are calling it a season pass. Okay. So that, so that would make sense the then that that would yeah. be for both if you're, if you're paying that. Anyway, so the point is Pokemon used to release kind of in different sets. You know how you would get uh, Pokemon Gold, Pokemon Heart Gold, mm-hmm. Pokemon Silver, Pokemon Soul Silver. So you would basically have to buy an entirely new game that was still essentially the same game, but you were paying full game price for the next installment. Interesting. Even though in terms of the gains made between Heart and Heart Gold, they were very small. I mean, it was really kind of just like microns of difference, but you know, for diehard fans, it was everything. Right. So the fact that we are now getting actual expansions as opposed to just entirely new versions of those games, I think it's a move in the right direction, and I think it's a really smart move for Pokemon. Well, and also cheaper for the consumer. Oh, yeah. For you sure. Know, then, uh, so that you're not having to buy $60. Now, to be fair, Game Boy games and Nintendo DS games were never $60. Oh, that's true. That's well, true. actually, is that true? The, the more recent not, having Pokemon not owned ones, one, I'm I'm not sure. On the that. more recent Pokemon for like the 3ds, I think they may have been like at least fifty or sixty bucks. So I guess that is I guess that is still true. But then again, Switch games are like seventy dollars. They're sixty. I don't know I mean, how they're, much. They're, 50, they're normally fifty nine ninety nine. I don't know how you... much money costs. <laughs> <laughs> I, just I just roll up to the Best Buy and slap someone and tell them to bring me my games. <laughs> And then I and then I and they bring it out to me forthwith. Forthwith exactly. upon a silver platter, <laughs> and then I leave without paying. And they're like, "What just happened?" We don't know. But I think she didn't. Sorry she stole that. about my thievery. <laughs> <laughs> so the two big topics we have for you this uh, this episode is a lot of big news has been happening. A lot of like 2020 is is kicking off in in terms of a we're seeing again that people are starting or at least Sony in this case so far are leading the charge and not being. At E3. So we're already kind of getting changes up there again, like what we, were, what we saw last year, where both, uh, you know, Sony wasn't the only person. They weren't at E3 2019 last year, but they weren't the only ones. Nintendo and EA also were not present at, at E3 last year, but they weren't? They, they weren't technically, air quotes. Oh, right. They phoned it in, right? No, they, they, um, like Nintendo does their treehouse, which oh, is essentially a big right. direct. And then EA did EA, does EA play. Which take place like right at the same area as like they take place in Anaheim with with E3, but they're not technically a part of E3. Right. But Sony, though, for the last two years or for 
2019 and now in 2020 are not going to be there at all. So uh, the main reasons, though, that they gave that on a gamesindustry.biz article uh, talks about that they, what they said, though, last year they said their slate of games that they were going to be releasing and talking about hadn't changed that much from the previous E3 because they had revealed all of their big exclusive games for the remaining life cycle of the PS4. But now we're getting close to the PS5 reveal. And so you would think they would want to take advantage of E3's stage and presence and everything to to make that their big reveal of the PS5, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So this is an article PlayStation will not be participate will not participate in E3 2020 by Christopher Dring. And so what they say is the firm to, quote the firm told gamesindustry.biz that it does not feel the vision for the event is right for what it had planned for this year. It w- instead it will attend hundreds in quotes of consumer events to showcase upcoming games for PS4 and PS5. And so interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's more cost efficient. I mean I'm sure it is to maybe you host so? your own event rather than post rather than, you know, Joining up to E3, I obviously don't know what those costs are necessarily. Well, it but said attend conferences, not host their own events. Well, they are. I mean, you would imagine. I would think they would have their own event for the reveal of the PS5. Oh, then I'm after sure that, they, they would will. go to other conferences, probably like teach, uh, like Tokyo Game Show, Gamescom, I'm sure, or the and stuff like that. Like I, I, I would imagine they would have a presence at those events. But it's interesting that E3 is kind of not holding the sway and power over the industry that it once was as like the big go-to event. It still is in a sense, but it's, but it is starting to have its detractors where it's not as powerful or as like the end all be all event that you showcase your games at. Uh, so what's really interesting then though, is how does this affect what they're going to do with the PS five and the PS and the PS five reveal, uh, David Jaff on Twitter he and he was the creator of the, of the God of War and the Twisted Metal series. He's no longer with PlayStation anymore or with Sony, but he still has a lot of no because he was with them for so long. He tweeted earlier that the, apparently he's going to be coming. The PS5 reveal will be in like the next four weeks. So, really? Yeah, the full reveal? The full reveal. So probably sometime in, in February. Uh, found this on a comicbook.com article. And so his tweets were... PS5 reveal is less than four weeks away. Sony knows hardcore gamers are hanging on every scrap of info and know that just because Microsoft dominates the conversation at the moment with the reveals of the project ser- with uh, Xbox Series X and other things like that. Uh, it's called Project Scarlet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never let it go. <laughs> that an easy thing to change when they are ready. That's an easy thing to change when they are ready to reveal, assuming the reveal is good. And he says, I want, in another tweet, he says, I want to say it's the worst kept secret in games right now, February, February reveal, like they did for the PS4. So, with that in mind, why would they not choose E3? Is because, do you think it would be because they're looking for more control over the event so they can hone the message and not be like lost? I mean, it wouldn't necessarily, I don't feel like it would be lost in the E3 conversation necessarily because E3 is always an event like that, you're going to get all the big stories out. But my big takeaway from that is that they want it to be their own event that they can control in every aspect and potentially have more time for like developer uh, developers or journalists and people who are attending their eventual reveal event to really have more time for hands on other than just being like, here's your allotment of time while you're at E3 trying to see all the other things that there are here, come to our singular event, focus on it, get your, you know, play some of our games, play, Godfall, the new, you know, or, or whatever they're going to be having on it. Play our current gen games because hopefully they've, you know, all about officially confirmed, I guess, that backward compatibility is going to be a thing. So, like, here, try Horizon Zero Dawn on the PS5. See how well it plays. You know, see the graphical improvements that the, you know, that the the uh, system and the and the power of the of the system of the console give. 
to games like this, like check out the fast load times that they've talked about are going to be a thing. So it's like, so it's, can they fix the load times on Anthem? God, that'd be great. Right. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Or God. really any, because like even Jedi fallen order had long load, load really? times and everything. So it's, so getting to a place where those aren't as big of a deal. I understand why they're necessary because these games are big and massive and they require some loading time to get them to look so pretty. But still though, it's one, it's one of those things. It's like the, if having that little bit of time sweetened up, it'll be, will be nice. Uh, so that's kind of how, how I feel like that's would to me seem to be the main thing of this. They're wanting it to be a more hands-on exclusive where you're not inundated with so much other news at the same time. You can really like soak in and revel in all the joys of the PS5. I mean, realistically, I agree with all of that. I think that that probably is their motivation. I do think it's a matter of them wanting total control over their own events, which is very understandable. But in wild speculation and conspiracy Ooh, land. I like that. And it's not necessarily, spe- it, it is speculation. It's not a conspiracy. It's just my personal uh, kind of opinions on E3 is it has felt like more recent E3s haven't been very impactful Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, how excited people used to get about E3 10 years ago. And I'm guessing that that probably just has to do more with market trends and how people have changed in how they get their news. Mm. Because now it's so easy to find all this information at any given time, even if you miss E3 as it goes on, 12 hours later, six hours later, an hour later, some website is going to have an article that concisely summarizes everything that happened at E3. The trailers are going to go up on YouTube Mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to very easily access anything that you missed. So it's not really as big of a deal anymore, I don't feel like, to actually be live at E3 right. unless you're just really excited about it and you like those kind of events, oh, which yeah. a lot of people do. I'd love to go to E3 at some And on point. the other hand, I also kind of wonder if it's like, and this is this really has nothing to do with Sony. It's more just in broad context. I feel like there have been a number of scandals at E3s over the years of games being promoted that then turned out to be wildly different than what the final product was. It almost in kind of like a bait and switch, like here's what we're going to give you, but here's what we actually give. Cause you're you. getting like a, the pre-rendered you're gorgeous looking 4k trailer. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, then you get what to the comes game, out actually, you're like, yeah, you're like, yeah. I think we've been bamboozled here. And that's those kinds of, uh, snafus we'll call them those kinds of snafus are really hard to hide nowadays because everything is so public so i kind of wonder if just e3 is losing relevance because people i mean i at least really kind of every trailer that i see at e3 i assume it's not real (laughs) i like that's genuinely i'm like okay cool because it's like they're just trying to show it off and get people excited they're just trying to get the hype train going and show things off really the only people that i trust to display products that i think are probably accurate are nintendo Mm -hmm. because usually whatever you see in a direct in some way shape or form does wind up being what you get later down the line right the big big difference for that would be the technical trailer they released years ago for the gamecube wound up not being the game that was released it was wind waker but that Mm. was literally like 15 plus years ago we can forgive them so i just feel like people don't really have as much 
I would say faith in EA because so many games E3. that are hyped E3. That, would I say EA? Yeah. I meant E3. I feel like people have just sort of lost, at least I have, I've lost faith in what I see at E3 because I assume that none of it is real. Until the game comes out and until it's actually proven to be what they're saying it is, mm-hmm. I just kind of don't believe them. And I get that because yeah. it is just so much sometimes even like a, a still like a working concept, but here's our first trailer kind of thing. Yeah, it very much doesn't can change and light and things can change and then not to mention it like games will be announced and then still be you know two three years later like biomutant the one game that i keep like that yeah. was two years ago e3 Metroid three years ago e3, and we still like have seen nothing else from this game so sometimes it's like why are you even telling us now why wouldn't yeah. you just keep it under your hat and then let everybody know a year before mm-hmm. it comes out and you know it's coming out for sure even if it gets delayed at least you know for sure Fiscal year 2020 or whatever. Right, right. And, so. and two, also speaking of scandals outside of that, like it, it, it did reveal last after last year's E3 that they were there like uh, – I can't remember if it was – it was like attendee list was pretty oh, much like hacked. yeah, their data and privacy Yeah, data and privacy. Terrible. That's what I was looking for. And so – and they – and like all this information got out and that – and they did not handle the situation they well. They didn't, yeah. And so I know that kind of left a bad taste in its mouth and everything. So, for sure. And, but like to your point going back about what – about the trailers readily being available on Twitter, like not even – or in an article, it's like you don't even have to wait for that sometimes. Like the individual trailer itself will then be published, say, by Microsoft like – You'll see the new trailer for Halo Infinite as soon as it finishes playing yeah. on the live stream. Because it's know? not like they're going to wait. They're not going right. to wait until E3 is over and then put all that stuff no, out. They're the trying to get that hype going. Yeah. So there's just not as much. I, don't, I just don't think there's as much of a demand for a big platform like E3 anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I think that it's a good thing that it stay or go. I'm really kind of ambivalent about it either way. I do think it's fun. I think events are oh, yeah. always fun. It gets people excited. Everybody's like jazzed about it. And I love the crazy performances that come out of it oh, sometimes. Yeah. Like, here's this car. Radio silence. Boo. Keanu Reeves, <laughs> you're breathtaking. You know, all that great so stuff. You can't say those moments yeah, aren't great. Sometimes you do get some really good moments out of it, but those really don't don't have anything to do with the games. Right. They're just for fun. It's just fun, like weird live performance art. And you're like, what are they doing? Yeah. So anyways, I just, that, that those are my feelings on it. Right. No, I agree. I agree with all that stuff. I, I hope that these bigger conferences that people can go to and attend in person would stick around. Cause like I said, I'd love to go to something like E3 eventually because, but you know, obviously too, as things change and you can just watch these live streams, usually from the comfort of your own home, but that's still not the same. And actually I do think that I, I didn't even think, of it until now, but I do think that other competitor conferences are kind of eating into E3's dominance mm-hmm. because E3 really kind of used to be the event, oh, yeah. at least in North America. But we have more in recent years seen big gains in the packs, like packs South west or whatever that's, up, that's actually PAX east oh my god is it really yeah, so that's what go, i'm talking but... about like all of these <laughs> it's just not oh my gosh not in the cards today the point this is this year so the point is that there are a lot of other regional conferences popping up that are getting a lot of their own uh good positive buzz and right. they're getting really high attendance rates and i'm sure that that is uh realistically eating into e3's uh market share right and and like the ones i mentioned earlier tokyo game show gamescom uh, and then uh paris games week and stuff like that so there's like so yeah these game shows not again to your point it's no longer just e3 is like the beacon when is cd project red gonna make poland the hub of gaming and games God, that'd be great right 
uh, Poland is so fun and cool, and more people should I'd be interested in it. Yeah. CD Projekt Red, sponsor us for a press tour visit conference? Yes. We will make a tiny conference, and it will be just one us. room, just us. We'll talk to you, see how you do your thing, and we'll love it. Every we'll bit sell of it. water bottles, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Interns so, for a day? yeah. Sure. Whatever. Sure. <laughs> Let us know. Uh, but speaking... Of CD Project Red, CD Project Red. That's actually a wonderful transition into our second topic, uh, which is along with all these other news stories that have been coming out that we've already talked about. There has been a steady stream of game delays that have been announced, starting pretty much in really October of last year. Yeah. And, and my opinion on all game delays is, thank God, I'm never upset about a game delay. Like that old adage from somebody who's quoted, I, it actually may have been Miyamoto. It is. Did, I yeah. actually just saw it, yes. Yeah, Miyamoto's quote about like, if you release a bad game, it's bad forever. But if you delay a game, it's good. It, That's it, a very oversimplification of his clearly much more eloquent words. <laughs> so Miyamoto, don't at me. <laughs> I actually just like saw this earlier today, and I was like, "Oh man, my bad, Miyamoto. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I've besmirched your stellar reputation." And that was not sarcasm. He does have a stellar reputation. Oh He's yeah, a yeah, gem yeah. Of a man. Uh, let me see if this pulls up real quick. A delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is forever bad. There we go. Yeah. So much more concise and makes a lot more sense <laughs> than what I said. So sorry about that. But so these games, uh, so like I said, they've been steadily being delayed. Uh, we had The first big push of these games being delayed was back in October with uh, Ubisoft announcing that they were going to push back several of their titles. And this was on October 24th, and those broke. God and Monsters, the like... Uh, the ones set in ancient Greece kind of seemed like a tie into Assassin's Creed Odyssey in some way, or like set very similar themed. It was originally released for 2020 for February, going to be released on February 25th of this year. And all three of these games, they haven't announced when the new date will be. They're just kind of like indefinitely pushed for a little while. Hmm. Uh, so that's gods and monsters watchdogs Legion, which I can understand a little bit more on this one. Cause this one seems like it's going to be not saying that God and monsters and the other one, rainbow six quarantine aren't, but the goal of what they're trying to do where every NPC could then become playable and recruitable. It's just a massive that game. That feels like that's going to be a massive yeah. game. And, and if, that if that's a very new mechanic that hasn't really been, that to my knowledge has not been done in a game before. And so that is going to take a lot of refining and a lot of fine tuning to get it right. Because the threat there, at least in my mind, is repetition. Oh, yeah. Because if you have that many people that you can interact with on such a high level, if you kind of eventually start to notice that every sixth person you talk to is a lot like one you talked to before, gamers will very quickly get tired of that, and rightfully so. So at least when I think about it, and a game of that scale of what they're trying to do, the more time they have to put as much variety in it as possible, I think uh, will highly benefit oh yeah definitely uh another one i was gonna i made like a list of all these ones that are coming out and this one i actually missed that it got delayed and i have to correct uh what things i talked about in the previous episode where we talked about our most anticipated games or in the will of the wisps (gasps) did it get delayed it was delayed no from february 11th to march 11th so only a month and it was actually that too it was announced at the game awards and i didn't and that i think is why i didn't i didn't i totally missed it yeah i was so excited i didn't even like see the well because they showed off it in a trailer and then at the end of the trailer they were like march 11th and everything so i'd already passed out by that point because of how cool it is and amazing soundtracks right blacked that out speaking of the soundtrack gareth coker uh t 
released some teases of the them recording the soundtrack, and oh my yeah. god, yeah, it's <gasps> pretty st- astonishing. I actually did uh, pre-order the collector's edition of that because it's going to come with the soundtrack Does it come and with a lot your of other own like little floating wisp. I think it. Does I don't remember everything it came with, but I remembered it was like oh no 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 no. That's what I I was asking. Oh sorry, no. I mean it might be like a replica of one, but it comes with the soundtrack, which I was obviously like I'm going to buy the soundtrack anyway. Might as well just pay a few extra bucks and get it all in one cool little neat package. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, So that one was being pushed. Square Enix, the other big ones, announced that they are pushing back the releases of Final Fantasy VII remake and the uh, Crystal Dynamics's Avengers game. Yes, and so and the other one too, Crystal Chronicles remake. Oh, I didn't see that yeah, one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Ark mentioned it to me, at least. I'm I'm quite certain that Crystal Chronicles, or was it Tactics? I'll look it up. You okay. keep doing what you're so, doing. So Final Fantasy was pushed from March 3rd to April 10th, so not a huge push there. But Avengers was pushed from May 15th to September 4th, which is, seems a little bit more like, so there's obviously some bigger things there that they're trying to tra- track down. But then the biggest one that I think not necessarily shocked people, but I was surprised a little bit by the duration of the or the extension of the of the release date is cd project red did announce today on uh, january 16th that they are delaying cyberpunk 2077 from its april 16th release date to september 17th and before we expand on that it was final fantasy crystal chronicles okay, remastered. Cool, cool, cool. that one is getting delayed to summer 2020 so square enix is delaying a lot of games and you know let's talk about cyberpunk first and then circle back to final fantasy sure uh so cyberpunk they released a tweet and this is one of those things you know because this wasn't I feel like Cyberpunk just handles these things really well. Like, you know, when you when you bought those Witcher uh, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, you had like a note from them thanking you for playing and all this every and all this other stuff. I just really love how they handle press releases and just their releases and games in general. But so they tweeted out this message saying, We have important news regarding Cyberpunk 2077's release date we'd like to share with you today. Cyberpunk 2077 won't make the April release window and we're moving the launch date to September 17th, 2020. We're currently at a stage where the game is complete and playable. I like that they say that. I like that they point that out immediately. But there's still work <laughs> to be done. They don't say to what degree of playable. <laughs> well, but then they do say, but there's still work to be done. Night City is massive, full of stories, content, and places to visit. But due to the sheer scale and complexity of it all, we need more time to finish playtesting, fixing, and poli- and fi- play testing, fixing, and polishing. We want Cyberpunk 2077 to be our crowning achievement for this generation, and postponing launch will give us the precious months we need to make that game per- make the game perfect. Expect more regular updates on progress as we get closer to the new release date. We're really looking forward to seeing you in Night City. Thank you for your ongoing support. So, for one, I just like that it was that we didn't hear this news. I guess really from like a Kotaku or IGN or Polygon release, it was like this more like thought out. I love that they stated. That the game is playable, like it's done, but we really want to make it. We want really want to make it right, and that kind of seems to be the overall message of all of these delays. What were you, before we move on to this next part, though? What were you wanting to talk about with Final Fantasy? Yeah, so VII? with the Final Fantasy VII uh, delay, first of all, it is a much shorter delay. They gave it what six weeks, like a month, about really. a, about a month to six February, weeks of um, a delay. February, March third to. Uh, April 10th. April 10th. Yes, that's a really small window of an extension, which almost makes me more nervous 
what could they possibly fix in four weeks? That's right. We were talking about yeah, this. Yeah, that, that makes me a little bit more nervous. So I will say that overall, my level of concern mm-hmm. is higher for the Final Fantasy VII delay just because it is an episodic type game, which you've already heard my thoughts on that. I don't like it. And right. I, bleh. Uh, but to have this like weird little four-week delay on top of that just seems really strange to me. Their statement was very similar. I mean, no, I, I don't want to say verbatim, but it was a very similar style of Square Enix put out an official statement saying we have to put fi- finishing touches and put a final polish on it which mm-hmm. that word polish it really seems to be like an industry corporate marketing standard for saying some parts of the games are still kind of shitty and we're we just have to like fix bugs them. we're trying to take out and fix yeah so I, I assume that it is probably bugs maybe graphic stuff um, more so I think that that's probably the case for Cyberpunk because mm-hmm. it is massive and online so I don't think that Final Fantasy 7 is probably experiencing the same issues question mark as i would assume a game like cyberpunk 77 2077 2077 there we go lots of of numbers in there a lot of numbers uh so i'm guessing that their problems are probably much more varied between the two of them than they are similar yeah but i'm just really like i wish that we knew what is it Mm -hmm. i just want to know like specifically for final fantasy what are you what what what's polishing? what in the four weeks i want to know what's happening in that yeah. four weeks just out of curiosity mm-hmm. i just really want to know like why would you have needed such a small extension well, see, i almost because feel that like just really I does mean to me to me that tra- that tra- comes across as it really is just little things I mean, they're and, trying and, to fix and, and, and i'm and sure that it's tune. a good thing again i'm not mad about the delay at all i just feel like i almost would have had more confidence if they had delayed to summer because then uh, i would have been like oh sure whatever uh, that's normal but like a four-week delay i'm like oh Ugh, that's a little startling. I don't know about that. It just makes me feel kind of spooked, like a startled horse well, I mean, in a field. To be fair, or he's getting pushed the same amount of time. Yeah, I, it's weird. It's it's weird to me. I just feel like it's it's to that stage. They're close enough. They knew that if the, if we do release on the original day, we're gonna catch flack for these things. See, like I even think Jedi Fallen Order could have taken a, another month or so to probably fine tune and get right. Because, like in my first impressions, I talked about how it had issues with. Um, bad up enemy spawn in time like you'd be standing you'd be going up at an area or corridor and suddenly people will just appear next to you and like oh what the shit and they have to fight them you know and it was repeatable like in this one area it, it kept happening every time and so little things like that like i'm like yeah fallen order could have used a little bit more i think another month or so just to, re- to fine-tune these things i'm not a game developer i don't know how long those actually those things no, actually we take have to no fix. idea i'm just saying for for uh, conversation's sake. And so I think it could have taken from that. So that's what I feel like in the cases of Ori and the cases of Final Fantasy, it just gives them that little extra window. Now, in the terms of cyberpunk, it is like, okay, it's similar to what I was saying about Watch Dogs Legion. It does seem like these. this is such going to be such a big open world, heavy story, heavy heavily based on the random interactions you have with NPCs and different t- storylines and everything. I mean, the, if the Witcher three is any indication of how expansive that this game will be, it's going to be huge. I think it's crazy or not crazy in a bad way, but just like very interesting that they're trying to say, and I guess you would always want to promote this as like, they want this to be their masterpiece of this generation, but people are already like uh Witcher three. Hello. It's already amazing. You know? So it's like, you're going to top that was Witcher three for PS three or no, was it was, it, four. It, it was the four. Yeah, it was four and Xbox one. And so it's, it's just like, wow, you're going to, 
Okay, like that's that's some that's a Go bold claim. It. So please take all the time you need. And so that's the thing, though, when we're talking about these delays. And as you said, as we were jumping into this topic, is this isn't a bad thing by any means. I think us, and I believe gaming, the gaming world at large, would much rather take the time, fix the game, have it be right, so that way we don't keep running into these instances of games just literally being not. In all cases, broken, but, but that has, cases, in many cases, that broken. has been the case of broken. Yeah. Or just little but little things, like what I talked about in Fallen Order, where I'm just like, you know, the game is great, but it would have been cool if I didn't have to work around these. Yeah. And so I'm wondering then if this is the industry starting to listen because it, to this, or, or publishers starting to listen to this and not feeling like they just have to hit these original deadlines that they did. Is this a, do you think this is a instance of them listening to, to the gamers and the game and everything and saying like, yeah, please just, we don't mind. We, we're going to buy it anyway, but just please have it be as perfected as you can be. So do you think it's a listening to that or also a sign that they are, that the industry is finally starting to take steps in combating crunch? I hope, you know, my hope is that it's a step in combating crunch. I do too. However, I really doubt that. What I assume is happening in the time span of these delays is massive crunch. I strongly doubt that a game gets delayed and then the months leading up to that eventual release are Mm non-crunchy. I assume that they are as crunchy as a nature oats honey and oat bar. (laughs) That that is an analogy. That's an analogy. (laughs) So I, I, my like heart wants to believe that that's true, that it's an effort to combat crunch, but I you know, I would have to actually hear from someone in the field saying that that is the case before I would even really entertain that thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, what I am much more, what I think is probably more the case is maybe, maybe, not that they've listened to their customers. I don't think that that's the case of anyone in top spots at video game companies, especially the ones that are repeat offenders. Uh, I don't think that that's probably the case. What I do think is the case is when these games launch and there's such bad press around them, it tanks sales. Mm-hmm. I mean, it very noticeably hurts sales, and I do think that that's what publishers listen to. So maybe that's the case of right. they're more willing to accept these delays from their uh, developers in the interest of profits. But that's I mean, that's all, what business is about. So that is probably going to be their number one motivation. That's yes. all very speculative at this point because we won't really know what caliber and quality these games do eventually wind up being until they release. Mm-hmm. You never know. Any one of the games or many of the games that we've just listed with delays, they could still release and be buggy and not necessarily finished. Or not that even is a necessarily bad in that in technical sense, but just bad in other ways. Yeah, you they, know, they like, could just not be good. Not be fun or something yeah. like that. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand and I totally agree with that. That's just my thing. The part of me that hopes and likes to see good in people and things like that wishes that yes it is i wish like that's what i hope right. someday will be the case that there will be longer windows of time for development because people are willing to wait people are willing to be patient and if that means better working environments for the developers all the better right. so i hope that that will happen at some point maybe it's even happening now mm-hmm. i just really don't think that that's probably the reality Hey everybody, just wanted to make a quick note here. So I was wrong. Looks like crunch is still going to be very much a thing at CD Projekt Red. Literally the next morning, I woke up seeing several articles detailing how crunch was going to still very much be a thing to get Cyberpunk 2077 out the door. 
And I felt like with how much I talked and saying the praises of CD Projekt Red that I couldn't let this episode go out without acknowledging that these articles exist and that crunch is still going to exist. We'll definitely talk about it more on a later episode, but just wanted to acknowledge it here so people weren't confused. Uh, so we, this, it was very frustrating to wake up to the next morning, and Mogan and I will share our thoughts in a later episode more on this topic. As far as the delays... Take all the time you need. We're going to play these games anyway. I'm still going to play Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Like I said, it's pre-ordered. I'm probably going to be pre-ordering Cyberpunk 2077 as well. Uh, Last of Us Part 2 was delayed, but I've got that one pre-ordered. Like, so we're still going to play it. Yeah. You know, take your time. We're still going to play it. Get the game, uh, get the game to the, to the perfect stage that you feel it should be before you release. Don't be a Fallout 76. (laughs) Don't be an Anthem. Don't be a Ghost Point Break Recon Clancy Tom, whatever it's called. That's, that is the title. That's the name of the game. That is the title. That is completely accurate. Yes. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Do you? Share our thoughts and opinions on both the uh, E3, uh, Sony stepping out of E3 and our E3 thoughts in general, and our thoughts on these delays, on these game delays. Let us know. Teamchatpockets at gmail.com. Comment on the YouTube page, on our social media. We'd love to talk about it with us on our Discord. We'd love to hear from you all. But before we go, we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight, which we have a submission from Bromogan. Oh, boy. Uh, he suggested to us Bestial Beat from Mushi. I had it right before we started recording. Here we go. I'm going to do it again. Uh, bestial Beat for Mushihimisama Futari. Wow. Dang. I've never heard of that by before. Manabu Namiki, Kimihiro Abe, and Ryu Umemoto. Okay. It was... I listened to it before we started. It is very peppy. It's very fast. It's very upbeat tempo of a game. He said, uh, Bromogans told us on the Discord that he actually uh, saw the game and was introduced to the game during Games Dawn Quick. Indeed. And was uh, became a huge fan of the soundtrack very quickly. From what this one song, the soundtrack is amazing and super fun, and you should all give it a listen. I'm excited for it. So, again, that is Bestial Beat, which we'll be playing after the close of the episode, which is pretty much now but thank you everyone for listening to this episode of team chat podcast again like i said please share with your friends give us a subscribe write us a review all those things are great and wonderful follow the show uh on all the social media again that's facebook twitter and instagram join our discord server follow me and mogan on on twitter as well at jt wilson at mogan atx we should use reverse psychology don't follow us you're not cool enough yeah (laughs) cool it's only (laughs) anyways but Join us next week for another brand new episode on another fun gaming topic. Until then, stick around for the song.